Hey crew, before we start our latest mission, I want to remind you that you can get updates on the show, plus news and reviews from the world of Trek, by following us on Twitter and liking us on Facebook. Go to twitter.com forward slash E-I-S-T-P-O-D, or facebook.com at E-I-S-T-P-O-D, or both, and click follow or like to get on board. Plus, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your media platform of choice. And when you do, give us a review, would you? At the very least, give us a rating, because that's how iTunes and other platforms know we're doing a good job. And people who do good jobs get more exposure. So if you like the show, give us a review or a rating, and it would really help us out. And finally, if you really like the show and you really want to help us out, click over to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod, where you'll find our Patreon page. Money may be worthless in the 24th century, but we are not there yet, and your contributions can go a long way towards keeping us flying and bringing you weekly looks at the world of Trek and more conversations with authors, artists, actors, and aficionados of said world. There are many different tiers or ranks at which you can join, and many rewards available up to and including a chance at appearing as a guest on the show yourself. So head to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod to join our ranks today. Any questions, you can contact the show at EISTpod at gmail.com. And now, let's get underway. It's worked so far, but we're not out yet. I want to know what you're thinking. There are some things you can't hide. I want to know what you're feeling. Tell me what's on your mind. Hailing Frequencies Open, and welcome to Enterprising Individuals, the Star Trek discussion podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about the series, characters, and stories of the Star Trek universe. I'm your host, Caliban, and, oh shoot, I left my agonizer in my other uniform pants, so you can just double agonize me next time? How about that? I'm joined on this episode by Jonathan Lane, one of the authors of the Star Trek reference book, Starship Spotter. He also runs the website Fan Film Factor, which features news and information about Star Trek fan productions, and he's worked for years as a fan consultant for Star Trek licensed products. He's also a regular blog contributor for the Star Trek Xanar fan film site. John, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Permission to come aboard granted. Today we'll be talking about Mirror Mirror, the fourth episode of the second season of Star Trek, the original series. It's an episode everyone knows, if not by name, then at least uh, that one where Spock has a beard. And it's inspired many similar concepts in other shows. And more to the point, has inspired many fan films and fan creations, something we'll be talking about a little later in the show. John, clearly you're a fan of this episode, but can you elaborate on why you chose Mirror Mirror to discuss on the show today? Uh, well, actually, I um, just happened to have been watching it with my son. Uh, oh. He's six years old, and uh, uh-huh. every night when I exercise, uh, I watch another episode of Star Trek with him. We just basically have gone through TOS. We're on our second trip through TOS now, and we just happened to have just done Mirror Mirror, which I thought was a great episode anyway. He really liked it, and I said, well, it's fresh <laughs> in my mind. Let's do it. Sure. And you said that he's six, right? So, he is and this six. is his second time through the show. Yeah. Well, he, when he first started doing Star Trek with me, he was, uh, I think, probably about five, maybe four and a half or five years old. And, sure. you know, he was just starting to get them. And by the time we got through it, I was like, do I, do I head into like the movies and next gen? Uh, or, right. you know, do I, do I do TNG or do I TOS one more time? I'm like, Let's do it one more time. Let's 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 do what I did when I was a kid, 
and right. uh, you know watch them over and over and over again until I memorize them. And so uh, anyway, it's and it's amazing because now that he's six, uh, he just so it, it, it we're getting so into it. Now he's seen the original series. How's he? How's he doing on the other shows? Has he seen any Next Generation? Anything like that? No. The only thing he knows about Next Generation is that I have you know all the the ship models and everything here, and I've got a little oh sure Worf action figure. He really doesn't know who Worf is. He just knows they like to play with him. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, yeah. So it's um. It's all of that stuff. Uh, you know, he's seen the other Enterprises. You know, he knows that there's more than just one Enterprise up on the shelf. And occasionally I let him play with the E. But, yeah, you know, aside from that, no, he really doesn't know what's going to be happening uh, later on in Star Trek, which, which is fine with me. I'm, I'm okay letting him just sort of live in the TOS universe. He's getting it in the right order, too. It's not like he's um, getting into Enterprise or Discovery and then sort of discovering himself that there are older series. He's starting right from the top. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted him to do it the way I did. In fact, when when we did Star Wars, I did uh-huh. not start with Episode One. I okay, with okay. Four. And I sure. Let, and I let him watch Episode Four over and over and over again before I showed him Empire Strikes Back. And so he had no idea that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. No idea whatsoever. And so when that moment happened, I videotaped him. <laughs> sure and dude it was the most hysterical thing ever i should probably send you that video to to, to post with your blog but uh his, <laughs> That's his so reaction it was... <laughs> and it's so neat too because i remember when i was a kid and you know those movies were coming out i mean there was I, there wasn't really like a concept of a spoiler back then like your friend saw the movie he came back and he told you everything that happened in it but it's a spoiler that's so old now that it's not really even a spoiler i can't imagine that kids are throwing around i am your father on the playground so he's got a chance to really experience that like you know like you videotaped like the surprise like it's supposed to be well i i knew i had to get him i had to get him indoctrinated to star wars early because uh-huh. nowadays it's it's ubiquitous. I mean, every kid has you know Star Wars. Oh, or sure. Whatever. You know, and he's yeah. gonna be he's gonna be watching you know Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars and whatever on TV. And yeah. so he he was four and a half when I made the decision. Okay, I've got to prepare him for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure how to do that at the age of four and a half because you know he's four and a half. Um, yeah. So what I did was before I showed him the movie, I told him the Star Wars story. As sort of like a bedtime story. Okay. And in the car. And I didn't just do it one night. I mean, we did it over the course of a couple of months where I would go into what was going on. So, I, so he would know what was going on. And then I showed him the movie. And uh-huh. then he stayed with that movie for like two months or so until he started memorizing it. I, I had it on his iPad. And he just loved that movie because watching it over and over and over again. So I knew, you know, at the moment where he was going to see, you know, find out that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father, that that was going to be an absolute surprise. But if I'd waited any longer, his friends would have started talking about it. And, yeah, it would not have been the shock that it was. It would have been just imprinted on his DNA by that point. Uh, it's kind of the wrong show, uh, but That's I right, can't wait till Star Trek Buck. Yeah, I can't wait till he finds out that Khan is is still alive. No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, first, let's talk your backstory. How did you come to Star Trek and become a fan? Oh man, I've been a fan since. Um, I, I think I was born like like two days before Arena uh, aired for the first time. Oh wow! Okay, um, but I remember being a Star Trek fan and watching it. When I was like you know three years old. Um, you know, yeah, so it was yeah. always on. Like I, you know, I, I grew up. It was on at six o'clock. You know, we had dinner in my in my, my room and I watched Star Trek. Uh, right. And I remember at the age of ten or thereabouts, I was at a restaurant and my mom 
was talking to another mom just we were waiting for tables and there was this really snotty 11 year old kid um next to me and the moms had apparently discovered that we both love star trek so they decided to get the two kids together while they waited for a table and so anyway uh so the other kid says to me oh you like star trek huh and um and i said yeah and he goes well how many shuttlecraft does the enterprise have i had no idea (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, I, I don't know how, how many. He goes, six. It was, it was revealed in the episode The Omega Glory when they went on to the USS Exeter and they said that there's all six shuttlecraft are still in the, in the hangar, ba- hangar bay. Right. And, <laughs> okay. And I was like, okay. And so I suddenly – that was when I first discovered that there was such a thing as Star Trek trivia. And so the next sure. time I watched that episode, I was listening for that. And it was probably like maybe a year later that the episode finally came around again. And I discovered that the kid, the snot-nosed kid, was wrong. There were only four shuttlecraft. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I am 40 years older than that now. And I still remember that snot-nosed kid was wrong. But <laughs> that, that started me on my, on my journey of Star Trek trivia where I started watching these episodes more closely to get all the you know little nitty-gritty stuff out of them. And, sure. um Ultimately, that Star Trek trivia uh, helped me in the mid-1990s when I was hired by Viacom Consumer Products to be a Star Trek uh, fan consultant. I basically was the trivia guy that the people in licensing went to to say, okay, would Andorians do this? Right, uh, right. And I literally got paid 20 bucks an hour to say, no, Andorians would not do that, but Tellarites would. Right. I mean, can you imagine getting paid 20 bucks an hour to say, ah, you know what, this is more of a line that Deanna Troy should say than, than uh, Dr. Crusher. Right, right. Because <laughs> I started off with the Star Trek video games, the, the CD-ROM licensing, and then... Okay, uh, sure. And then I did the, the menu for Quark's Bar and Restaurant, and I worked with you know, museum guys and, 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 game and um, you know, CD-ROM game developers and digital training cards. So all this stuff. And then I eventually worked Starship Spotter, which was kind of handing me something the last minute. Their author had um, had flaked out on them, and they had like 23 days left uh, to finish Starship Spotter, and it wasn't even started yet. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, so I and Alex Rosenzweig, uh, I just basically grabbed Alex, who, you know, basically memorizes NCC numbers. That's, you know, if you think I know Star Trek trivia, he's amazing. And I said, right. Well, I said, we've got 23 <laughs> days to write the book of our dreams. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and we did. Uh, and so Starship Spotter's out there. So if you read that, you know, if you ever, if you want to actually get Starship Spotter, the, the good stuff is the stuff we wrote. Um, then, uh, you know, just understand that 23 days. You were doing this at a time too, when there was no uh, real internet like to go to, like it had to be in your head. Nowadays, there's things like memory alpha and it's all sort of crowdsourced and people can reference uh, certain articles and, and sources of information. But you were the guy, you were the memory alpha of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we had, you know, things to, to go by. We had like tech manuals. Yeah. Um, I remember once um, Alex and I were on the phone with John Van Sitters of now he's at CBS licensing. Um, and we were discussing literally for about 20 minutes whether the Enterprise D was 642 meters long or 642.5 meters long. <laughs> wow. 20 <laughs> minutes on the phone with Van Sitters. 
trying to figure this one out over a half meter or over yeah. a half meter because there was there was one official thing that had it at six twenty you know six forty two and another official thing that had it six forty is forty two point five and it was like which one do we go with but yeah it's it's amazing when when your when your head is totally wrapped around Star Trek trivia and minutia um, how long you can spend talking about it. I, I like that you mentioned the Star Trek experience before. I was talking to uh, Dave Rossi uh, for another episode recently who worked on it as well. And uh, one of the, my big regrets is that I never really got to go to see the Star Trek experience oh, uh, at dude, the in Vegas. I'm so sorry. You missed the Yeah, I know. I've heard all the stories, though. You, I, I've got a story you've never heard. Oh, but get, please. I had just started working for licensing. I'd been working for them for about six months when they handed me the menu to do. Sure. Paramount Parks and the Las Vegas Hilton had tried their best to create a menu for Quark's Bar and Restaurant. The best they could come up with, like, Galaxy Burger and Cosmic Fries. And stuff. It was boring. <laughs> right. And so I was loaned out. I was working with the person who was handling CD-ROM games. And the person from Paramount Parks kind of borrowed me um, to write the menu. And she said, can you come up with anything better than a Cosmic Burger? I said, yeah, you call it a Borger. You know, sure. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> next, <laughs> next, and just one after the other, after the other. And, you know, it, and, and I've got, you know, I saw this menu somewhere. We had fun stuff. We had the wrap of con. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we had the, the, the barbecue continuum pizza. Um, <laughs> oh, we had a pizza, the action. That was a good one for, for a pizza. I mean, it's anything I could possibly come up with. Uh, sure. I had some friends help me out from my Star Trek fan club, the USS Angeles uh, chapter. They, uh, one of my friends came up with the Warp Core Breach as a drink, which actually made it to an episode of Deep Space Nine. Quark served a drink from the actual Quark's menu there. And, Do you remember uh, what's in that drink? Well, actually, there's this kind of a kind of a Long Island iced tea kind of Mai Tai. Really, I mean, it, it was a Warp Core Breach. I mean, the amount of alcohol in this thing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Anyway, so I would finished writing this menu once again in like record time. I mean, less than three months. And I had this menu done because it was totally last minute. And um, anyway, it was about time to pay me. And um, they had never had me sign a work for hire agreement, which means oh, they would just pay me once and it would be done. Yeah. And they were kind of stuck. I mean, I had them on, you know, over a barrel on this thing because, you know, this was approved. And I, and I said, you know, should I, should I hold off for like, you know, a licensing agreement or, you know, some royalties or something, you know, for this, you know, and right. uh, the person I was working with at, um, at Viacom at this point, she said, well, you know, you could, you could. Um, but right now we really like you because you're a great guy. You do wonderful work. Um, you're funny, you're smart. Um, if you piss off one of our licensees, we're not going to like you as much anymore. <laughs> and right. at best, because they were going to be selling the menus there, they're going to sell sell the menus for like five, like ten dollars a menu or something. And um, they said, at best, you're going to get like twenty five cents per menu. At best, you know. So let's say they sell a thousand menus, you're going to make two hundred and fifty dollars. Guarantee you, we're going to give you more money than that as we hire you in the future if we continue to like you. So there I was, and I signed over, you know, so everybody's like, did you give me royalties and that? No, I didn't. I, I got 500 bucks and I was done. And mm -hmm. here's the funny punchline of that story. In the first year, while they were still actually selling those menus, they sold, I think, like 70 menus. That was the amount they actually <laughs> sold. Sure. 10,000 of them were stolen. Oh, no. <laughs> People just kept taking them from the tables. You know? Just right, right. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, I made the right choice there. And after you gave them the, the uh, Jordy egg roll, and after all that, they did that, Dan. <laughs>
well, I want to ask you, too, about your uh, involvement with FanFilmFactor.com. Can you talk about that? Uh, I was actually in an early fan film, um, although fan films trace back about 50 years. Fan films actually were produced um, back when Star Trek was still in first run. It was basically parents just videotaping their kids in the living room or in their Star Trek pajamas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but back in 1999, um, I was in the Voyages of the USS Angelus with hmm. my fellow crew members of the Angelus here in Los Angeles. And, um, and then later on, I was part of Hidden Frontier. Rob, Rob Caves uh, did a uh, seven-year, actually ultimately a 10-year Star Trek fan film that had spinoffs and mm-hmm. 70 episodes. Um, so I was in a few of those, and I was a production assistant in others. And so I sort of knew about fan films. Sure. And I watched a few along the way. And you know, I just watched more and more, and they got better and better and better. And then in 2014, I became an AXA nerd. Uh, I actually coined the term Axonerd. Um, (laughs) But I just – I fell in love with that. I got so excited with all these crowdfunding things and all the fan films were just becoming so amazing. And it wasn't just Axonar that was funding. I mean it was was Star Trek Renegades and Star Trek New Voyages and Star Trek Continues and Star Trek Farragut. And all these wonderful fan films were coming out and they looked really, 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 really good. Yeah. Um, but I became really a groupie for uh, for Axanar. I mean, I was I was a stalker first, and then I was a volunteer. Uh, and the closer I got to um, Axanar, the more involved I got. And Alec eventually, Alec Peters, who was running Axanar, eventually asked a bunch of the more um, prolific volunteers if they wanted to write regular blogs. And they're about maybe seven or eight of us who stepped forward and they said, okay, what do you want to write about? And I said, well, what about fan films? So I got fan films. I got first choice. So I, I became the fan film Friday guy. And every Friday I'd write about a different fan film. And I sure. did some interviews with the, with, with the creators and I tracked down stuff on the internet about them. And um, I did one of these every single fricking Friday uh, until Axonar got sued in late December of mm. uh, 2015. And then what started happening, I was still doing the fan film Fridays, um, but some of the creators didn't want to be on the Axonar website. You know, they were afraid hmm. that they were going to get sued as well. Oh, by connection, sure. By connection. Um, and it was Alec uh, who said, you know, why don't you create your own blog site? And that way you can you still work for, you know, do stuff for us, but uh, create your own blog site and you can cover all the rest of them because there's so much stuff that you can talk about for fan films. Right. Um, you know, and you're limited on Axonar because you just have like one blog that appears once a week. So I said, well, okay, well, I have no idea how to create a blog site, you know? And, yeah. Uh, and Alex said, well, you know, look, our, the guy who does our PR, Mike Bodden, he, he has, uh, you know, a whole blog site thing that he does and, and he can just set it up for you. Hmm. Uh, so I basically did it on his, as a subdomain of his, um, blog site, Trek bloggers. Sure. That's how I started. Now, now I'm officially separated from him. I'm on my own server because it's gotten so big. But uh, but then I just started writing all this stuff over and over again. You know, <laughs> all these fan films and all these creators and and they're really they're they're, they're great people. They're so interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, every interview is different. They're all you know they're not all the same. You know, people living in their parents' basement. As somebody who's involved in the fan film community, you've talked to so many people. Can you talk about what you think it is that drives people to return to these properties and keep making films even even now 50 years after the show's premiered? Let me answer your question with a question. Sure. Why are you doing this podcast? 
I'm doing a podcast. Exactly right. Okay. Uh, Seriously, how many times has everybody seen Mirror Mirror? Who the heck cares about Mirror <laughs> Mirror anymore? We've said everything we could possibly say about it, uh, and yet here we are. So, and people will listen because yeah. maybe they'll discover something they didn't discover before, or you know it. The thing on Star Trek is it's just it's the layers of the onion. You keep peeling it back and peeling it back. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you something. I was watching, you know, because I, I knew that I was going to be doing this podcast with you. And we, you know, Jade and I were still watching through Mirror Mirror at that point. And I noticed something in Mirror Mirror that after 50 years I had never noticed before. That scene where where, where her and Sulu were sort of making out a little bit on, on the bridge. And then suddenly she slaps him. And right. she heads for the turbo lift. And I had never noticed before that the two security guards who are standing on either side of the turbo lift are kind of slouched a little bit. They're, they're not really at attention. They're, they're kind of lazy right. and they're just leaning against the wall or whatever. And she just right. goes into the turbo lift and there's Sulu, pissed as anything, the head of the Gestapo. And he suddenly notices the security guards and they notice him and they suddenly stand at attention. <laughs> and I never I mean it was there it's been there in front of my face for 50 years and yet it was only just like two nights ago that I noticed it right. and um, it's like so yeah it's it's great with Star Trek it's just you get to peel the layers of the onion one after the other and, and just see things you never saw before yeah well let's talk about the episode uh, we are talking about Mirror Mirror the fourth episode of the second season of the original series it first aired on October 6th 1967 it was written by Jerome Bixby who wrote three other episodes um, by any other name Day of the Dove which we've covered on the show and Requiem for Methuselah uh, he's also famous for writing uh, It's a Good Life for the Twilight Zone the classic episode with Billy Mummy and this episode was apparently based on a short story of his called One Way Street the episode was directed by Mark Daniels, who I feel like that name keeps keeps coming up. He's directed, I think, around 15 episodes, really great episodes of the series. He did some of the best the ones. Of the, of yeah, some of the best ones. Yeah, exactly. And this one itself was nominated for a Hugo in 68 for Best Dramatic pre- Presentation. Uh, the star date is unknown in this episode, but it's probably just as well because there's a lot to deal with here. And your assignment, if you can, is to give us a 25-word synopsis of Mirror Mirror. <laughs> 25 words or less. That's right. All righty. Um, uh, boy meets Halkin. Boy beams up. Boy winds up on a different Enterprise. Boy almost gets assassinated. Uh, boy discovers he's got a girl in his cabin. Uh, <laughs> boy discovers that he can make any other boy disappear anytime he wants to. <laughs> um, boy has to deal with other boy with a goatee. Um <laughs> Boy manages to escape at just the last second, but right before escaping, gives a speech that essentially says, you know, hey, other boy, when I get replaced by my evil guy, as soon as he gets here, kill him. <laughs> right. Because, you know, that's basically what Kirk says at the end. I mean, I don't know if you want to jump to the, the end of all this or whatever. Oh, well, we can. Yeah. Let, let's just do it. Let's, you know, throw sure. contrivance to the to the winds. Forget, the yeah. best part of that episode, and I think any fan will agree, the best part of the episode, aside from the fact that Spock has a beard, and that's like the best goatee ever. Um, right. Actually, it's called a, a Fu Manchu, if it's a full thing. Um, but anyway, the best part of that is that last speech that Kirk gives, you know, including the, the music underneath it. Mm-hmm. And it's that speech, you know, in every revolution, there's one man with a vision, you know, be the captain of this enterprise, Spock. Now, what he's basically saying is, kill the other Kirk. Kind of, yeah. Because that's the only way Spock is going to be the captain of this Enterprise. 
Right, right. So as, before Kirk goes, he basically said, okay, you know, um, kill the other guy. Right. Um, <laughs> nobody really knows about that. They won't really think about that. But, yeah, that, that's pretty much what he said. Um, He's telling him, be a hero, but, you know, do it, do it your way. Be, you do you. Well, you know, I mean, when in Rome, uh, you know, in, right. in this universe, that's a thing. Uh, and then, of course, the fun part about that is, is that, you know, that Spock apparently does listen to Kirk, as we discover in Deep Space Nine. Uh, right. and, and the whole universe goes to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. You know, suddenly yeah. Earth is, is subjugated and, you know, humans are weaklings and, and, you know, everybody else is the ones in power. Right. So, yeah, thanks a lot, Jim. Right. <laughs> Uh, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because this episode does have a sequel in crossover and, of course, the other Mirror episodes on DS9. And technically, this ep- episode itself is a sequel to the two-part episode in A Mirror Darkly on Star Trek Enterprise where they kind of set this whole thing up. It's a sequel. It's a, it's a sequel to a prequel and a prequel yeah, to right. a sequel. Which makes perfect sense. Uh, Barbara Luna, who plays Marlena in this episode, reportedly had strep throat on the set, so uh, she had a 103-degree fever, so all of her kissing scenes with Shatner, which she has a few, were postponed uh, in filming for a few weeks. And Vic Perrin appears in this episode as Tharn. Uh, he was a perennial guest star on various TV shows throughout his career. He's also a prolific voice actor who's probably most famously known as the voice of control in the intro of The Outer Limits. Do not attempt to adjust your television set. That's right. And let me tell you, funny story about Vic Perrin. Oh, please. From, from my, my time. So you were talking about the days before the internet. And in uh-huh. the days before the internet, I got all my information about Star Trek from B. Joe Trimble's The Concordance. I've got a version of that that is basically in sneeze condition. If I, I sneeze, that thing will, will, will just fall apart. <laughs> right. And every time I heard the Hulkin voice, Tharn's voice at the beginning of Mirror Mirror, I said, that sounds like the Metron. You know, that angel guy that appears after Kirk defeats the Gorn. Right. Except that he's not listed in the credits there because he was only a voiceover. There was a different actor standing there. And back in those days, if you did a voiceover, nobody cared. Yeah, yeah. Even in the first Star Wars movie back in 1977, James Earl Jones was not listed in the credits. No, right. (laughs) You know, go look that up. It's true. They added him later. Um, but because vo- who cared if you were a voiceover actor? So the thing is, is yeah, Vic Perrin had done the voice of the Metron on the planet that, that Kirk defeated the Gorn. Uh, he was also the voice of Nomad, although in that case he was listed in the credits because okay. there was no human actor. It was just a you know box. Right, um, right. But yeah, that drove me crazy for all those years because it's like, that's the same guy. I know it's the same guy. And I look and it's like, no, it's not the same guy. Like, but finally, thanks, thanks to the internet, I know, Vic Perrin, <laughs> Thank the you, voice internet. of the Metron. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Takei, uh, as Sulu, of course, as you mentioned, is oh, sort of the leader of the Gestapo or the uh, security chief in this mirror universe. He wears a red uniform, of course, and that makes him the first Trek actor to wear all three colors of uniform. There's Act- something else I didn't realize after 50 years of being a paid... <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> And I, I wanted to mention really quick, too, uh, just about the logs. Um, I had read somewhere, I'm not sure if it was uh, inside Star Trek or just some old dusty book about how when they originally envisioned the series, they wanted to give it the captain's log to make it, I think, a little more grounded. Like there would be some character that would you know, give you plot updates, but would also establish that this is kind of slightly historical. It's a future history. This is something that has happened and been logged. And that's evident, um, I think, very clearly in this episode where Kirk continues to give captain's logs. 
as if he's on the mirror ship, but he, it, they must be done after he came back. Like he doesn't bring a captain's log device with him. So he's sort of delivering this information. So there we were, we were on that ship, but we cut that out to make it seem more immediate. Yeah, either, either that or somewhere in the mirror universe, there's a bunch of logs that, you know, somebody's going to be listening. Yeah, to that never got back to the, yeah. Exactly. I know what happened. Right. Spock is listening to them and then delete, just delete that there. Yeah. <laughs> there are some captain's logs that are recorded at some point where it's like, you know, no, you can't have recorded it right now because right now you're actually being attacked by the Gorn. You're not recording a captain's log right now. Yeah, because... yeah. Or like, <clears throat> right. Uh, or in uh, oh, what's the oh, the naked time where he's like, unknown to us, a disease has infiltrated the ship. Well, go do something about it if you know about it. Yeah. If it's unknown to you, then don't talk about it. Right, <laughs> right. Let's get into detail about the episode. Uh, it's easily one of the most memorable episodes of the original series, and it's been copied and homaged countless times in pop culture and genre fiction. I mean, even to the point there's a band called Spock's Beard. Like, <laughs> they're just supposed to expect that people know what that is. And I was thinking about this. I was looking into the history of having sort of doppelgangers or evil twins in fiction, and it doesn't really seem to even appear until rather recently victorian literature it starts to pop up there's a poe story or a dostoevsky novel about having a sort of dark side why do you think that this resonates so well with modern audiences um even after this is aired uh, so long ago well i mean yeah it's, it's it's the concept of the evil twin um sure you know now the the i keep in mind there's two things that are happening here star trek had the evil twin you know episode five the enemy within you Enemy know, within, exactly. There's an evil Kirk right there. So the yeah. idea, and, and of course, Jekyll and Hyde, you know, at, at, you know, <laughs> Bruce Banner and the Hulk, uh, you know, right. granted in that case, it's a very big alter ego. Uh, right. But yeah, this stuff goes, go, go, goes on quite frequently. But here, it wasn't just an alter ego of a single character. It was an alter ego of an entire universe. Yes. And that was what made it so interesting. It wasn't just that we were seeing an evil Captain Kirk. We were seeing an evil everybody. And the fact that everything could be cast in that different light. There, I noticed that there's a lot of convergent evolution, I think, in the two universes. Because you'd have to imagine uh, – let's take another episode like uh, Yesterday's Enterprise of the Next Generation where one event sort of changes things. And so you've got some of the same crew members, but of course Worf is not going to be there and other things. Why do you think that – or do you have a theory as to why everything is relatively similar? Sulu, Chekhov, they're all there on board still. There's a few differences, but – uh, what what how how could they if if everything's different there how could everybody end up on the same ship and everything is is sort of the same they're just mean. All right, I'm gonna give you two answers. Sure. The first one is just repeat to yourself. It's just to show I should really just relax. <laughs> of course, yes. Um, the second one is obviously we can't go back too far to drop the pebble in the lake because any you know things could go a little bit fakakta at any point. Uh, right. But at the same point in time, we know from watching In a Mirror Darkly from Enterprise uh, that, you know, even at the time that Zephyrin Cochran was first inventing warp drive, um, you know, humans were uh, a little bit nasty. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause we see that, 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 that teaser where they attack the Vulcans uh, that come there. So it had to happen yeah, right. before then. Uh, right. You know, why why are Sulu and Chekhov and everybody else still on the Enterprise? Well, yeah, because the writer needed to use, you know, the current actors and it's more fun that way. Uh, yeah, it's true. And if you want to talk about it, you know, in, you know, the time aspect of it, you know, within the universe of, of Star Trek and it's like, well, you know, maybe it's that time has certain anchor points, you know, like when you're doing animations, you know, certain people need to be born at certain times. Who knows? Um, 
But I will tell you, in the world of fan films, um, the divergent point is actually dealt with in one of the episodes of Starship Farragut. Interesting. Here I get to talk to you as a a fan film guy. Please do. Um, So Starship Farragut, really fast. A bunch of guys, they start off in Washington, D.C., and then move to Georgia. um, And they actually spawn Star Trek Continues. They were in the same studio for a while. And Starship Farragut started in, I think, like 2006 or so, 2007. Mm-hmm. And they've done a lot of great stuff. Uh, but their very second episode was an episode called um, For the Want of a Nail. And okay, yeah. It's a time travel episode where they go back to colonial times. Washington is basically there with his, you know, ragtag soldiers. And huh. the, And I won't spoil it for you, but something happens that changes everything and we don't actually discover that it created the mirror universe until the most recent episode of starship farragut which just came out last year called mm-hmm. the crossing and the crossing is a mirror universe episode and okay so all right good one interesting um, so, you know, if you guys want to go to Starship's, uh, you know, just, just do a search for Starship Farragut and for the want of a nail and also for the episode The Crossing and go watch those. And it's pretty cool. And as long as I'm talking about fan films, uh, mm-hmm. I talk about the ultimate Mirror Universe fan film. Yeah, please do. The must-see Mirror Universe fan film. If you have not seen this fan film, you have not seen fan films. And this is, the, this, this is worth I've watched this one three times. Some fan films you only watch once and you're like, okay, I'm done with it. This one you watch over and over and over again. Star Trek continues. Their third episode is called Fairest of Them All. And it starts with a recreation of the three-minute scene from the end of Mirror Mirror. The, in every revolution, there's one man with a vision. They redo that scene word for word, shot for shot, same music, same gestures, everything. Captain, get in the chamber. Um, <laughs> everything happens the exact same. And then, because it's Star Trek continues, instead of cutting back to our universe, that episode stays in the mirror universe. And Kirk, mm. Scotty, McCoy, and Ahura beam back. And Kirk is pissed. <laughs> right. And the episode goes from there. And the question is, how does Spock save the Hulkins? Or does he? Uh, right. You know, does he become the captain of the Enterprise? You know, Kirk is not necessarily just going to roll over and die. He's the guy with the Tantalus field. And the rest of the right. episode is the, one of the best fan films out there. So honestly, folks, if you go to Star Trek Continues... You know, to do a search for fairest of them all, watch that video. And if you want to watch the rest of the episodes of Star Trek Continues, you'll thank me later. It's a fantastic fan series. Yeah, I have to give it my recommendation as well. Um, I, I watched it the other day, and it, it is fascinating how they take, like you said, re- recreate the first uh, moments of their episode of the last moments of the last one. They beam out, the bad guys beam back in, and then we go from there. And it's a great starting off point to see, you know, what what is the follow up? You know, what is the the fallout from that original episode? What I want to know is why aren't the Hulkins jerks in the Mirror Universe? <laughs> well, if you watch The Crossing. Uh, not the cry and and um, and, and uh, for one of a nail from Starship Farragut, you'll understand really that what happened was something that happened in George Washington's time, and okay. obviously that didn't affect the Hulk and planet. It was uh-huh. just that 
Earth developed in a different direction. And of course, I see. when they finally went into, into space, their attitude affected the attitudes of the Vulcans and the Andorians and whoever else. But because they hadn't contacted the Hawkins yet, the Hawkins were just doing the same thing they would have done. Sure. Okay. How's that? So it's not, it's not, that's great. It's not the full on, you know, reverse polarity, uh, you know, bad guys are good, good guys are bad type thing. I, I see. Yeah, because obviously, I mean, the, the Klingons are still pretty nasty in, in the yeah. other universe. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my question is, how does anything get done in the uh, Terran Empire? Well, I know how it gets done through assassination. But yeah, like, how can uh, they tease that or it's not teased. I mean, I guess it's said repeatedly about uh, the Klingon uh, high command that, you know, if you disagree with your captain, you, you take him out. You're the captain. But I have to wonder how a political structure like that could even exist. And then especially you've got a guy like Evil Kirk who's just disappearing folks left and right. Like you're there one second, you're gone the next. Well, you know, obviously, you know, how do we solve a problem like, you know, Maria in this case? Uh, how do we solve a or problem Marlena. like Jim Kirk? I'm sure Jim people Kirk. have tried to solve the problem and they have suddenly disappeared. Uh, yeah. So eventually, after a while, you start asking the question, do I want to solve the problem or do I want to live? Yeah, right. Sure. You know, I'm surprised that. Yeah, I'm surprised that Jim Kirk isn't uh, already farther ahead then. Well, my guess is that when you're finally going after the people who are higher up than the captaincy, you know, the admirals or whatever, it may be a little harder to get to the place where the Tantalus field actually can, you know, get to them. I don't know. Um, sure. but, yeah. but my guess is that Kirk would eventually maneuver himself to the point of being an admiral. And it's good to see alien technology actually implemented um, by Starfleet people because I feel like every week on the show they figure out whatever the problem is. They've met a new alien race and they talk about the cultural and technological exchange. And then we never see any of that technology get integrated into Starfleet in any way. So in this universe, they, they meet an alien race, take them out, take their technology, and then we just go from there. So maybe uh, the Terran High Command like, has some kind of defense against the Tantalus field or they have their own things they're kind of working on. Yeah, I mean, a lot, lot of possibilities, um, you know, I mean, that, like, you know, answering your question again, you know, why do we keep talking about Star Trek? <laughs> we keep talking right, about Star yeah. Trek, you know, it's just always interesting. What else can you think about? Uh, do you think alternate universes like this are possible? Is there a Jonathan Lane with a beard out there somewhere? Actually, there used to be. I used to have uh, one of those. Oh, OK. <laughs> but then you were not switched. Not nearly as good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, here's the thing, you know, it, with Star Trek, we have to assume now that there is a Kelvin verse as much as I hate to admit it, uh, That's true. you know, because Spock went back in time and he changed everything uh, yeah. and or Nero did, uh, you know, so it, it's there. It, it's there in Star Trek. Is is it here for us? You know, there's somebody that, that you know, said you know, like every decision you make can create another alternate universe, in which case there are like so many alternate universes because every decision everybody makes during their entire life going back for the entire time of making decisions. Suddenly there's all these universes. I can't imagine there's that much space in sure. space. Well, if it's space is infinite, is according to the many worlds uh, hypothesis, then I guess it would be possible. Yeah. It's like, but is there, you really need an entire new universe. Yeah, right. And at some point, I guess it becomes narratively kind of uninteresting. You know, like, for example, I've got a I've got a glass of water right here next to me. I'm about to take a sip of this water. Oh, wait, I didn't take a sip of the water. I just put it down now. Somewhere, oh, Terran there's, Empire. there's an entire new universe was created where somebody actually took the sip of the water. There's a Jonathan there that actually drank the water. I'm going to drink the water now. Ha. Ah, now there's three universes.
I don't feel any different. I don't feel any different either. But the, <laughs> but the, the multiverse has to create space for all that. You know how big the universe right. is? It's freaking huge, man. Yeah, it has to be. You're not the only Star Trek fan in your house. As you mentioned before, your son Jaden is a Trek fan. And I got the chance to talk to him earlier uh, in the week. And uh, we had a great talk about Star Trek. And we're going to go to it right now. Well, my real dream is to be in the Star Wars podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Really? This interview is over. (laughs) It's not over. No, no, it's not over. Oh, well. Well, we can't get you a Star Wars podcast right now. you got to do Star Trek. Do you, do you at least like Star Trek enough to be able to do a Star Trek podcast as opposed to a Star Wars podcast? Yes. You're a professional. You can do this. So, Jaden, how old are you? Uh, six and a quarter. How many more months until you're seven? Eight more months. Eight more months until I'm seven. That's not too far. When did you first start watching Star Trek? Hmm. Maybe three or four. And how, do you know how many episodes you've seen? Uh, Daddy hasn't told me. <laughs> well, we watched all of the TOS episodes once. Okay. And then we watched all of the animated episodes. Oh, so great. 79 plus 24. Yeah. And this is our podcast for Mirror Mirror. That's oh, right. Yes, that's We're right. talking about Mirror Mirror. That's right. So in Mirror Mirror, Captain Kirk and McCoy and Uhura and Scotty, they get transported to a ship. Yeah. This is kind of like a bottle. It's a bottle episode. Yeah. It's kind of like a bottle. It's almost a bottle. Uh-huh. You know that little scene at the first part where they're down at the planet? Right, right, right. They're talking to the, uh, the people in the old-timey clothes. So that's that was what? That was the only scene that didn't take place on the... Starship Enterprise. And when they tried to beam up, they went to a parallel universe. Right. And everybody is, is like evil there, including Mr. Spock. Yeah, he has a beard. Yeah, that's right. Did you and like it? the rank up is a sta- assassination. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's getting promoted is rough Captain there. Captain Kirk must have survived lots of assassinations because he's still captain. That's true. And we find out later in the episode that he's got a special device that helps him get rid of his enemies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we found a, about the agonizer and the agony booth. Yeah. Those th- are not the good Enterprise. No, those are, I don't think the good Enterprise has those. Can you imagine if you woke up one day and you and your dad were in a world that was just like ours, except everybody was evil? What do you think you'd do if that happened? If I was on the Starship Enterprise, I would get a spaceship for my dad and for me, and I would grab somebody and throw them out the Starship Enterprise window. Oh, okay. throw them out the window? <laughs> If they were bad. Oh, if they were bad. Well, what if everybody's bad? You don't have enough windows to do that. There's 430 no! people on that ship, and there's only like about, what, 24 windows? And Daddy. What? All of the space air would kill all of them. All the space air? Yeah. There's no air in space. I know. Oh, okay. That With would the lack of air, yeah. Because they wouldn't have space suits on. Oh, what would happen when they got into space? Okay, they would die. So you'd start, you'd start working on your promotion right away then. Yeah. So so if you were, so were you there, you would, you'd be throwing everybody out because once everybody else was off the ship, you as the youngest cadet would then be the captain. And you'd be able to give orders to everybody except no. that there wouldn't be anybody left to give orders. No, no I okay. would give orders to you. You would be still alive. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, lucky you. <laughs> Don't I outrank you? Not in this world. When I'm in first grade, that means I can rank up to engineer. Oh, oh okay. I'm, All right. I rank up to a tenant. And when now, a tenant. Yeah. 
He's got his whole career planned out. When I move up to third grade, I'm the captain. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. <laughs> they just get younger and younger. They really do. I mean, you know, I, I seen the reboot, and Chris Pine was pretty younger. That's young true. Yeah, is there so? So, Jaden, one of the things about the evil Enterprise is that everybody seems to be fighting with each other, which is different than the regular Enterprise, the good one, because everybody works together. If the evil Enterprise had to fight the good one, who do you think would win? The bad one. Oh, really? Now, why do you think that? Because they are evil, and the good Enterprise figures stuff out by talking. That's true. Yeah. But the good Enterprise is pretty tough, though. They can handle their own and some scraps. Well, if I was on the good Enterprise and I had to defeat all, I had to defeat the bad Enterprise, I would stun phasers to their highest, all of the phasers to their highest rank so I could destroy it. So you just get right in there. Just, 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 just yeah. shoot first and ask questions later. No, I would, I wouldn't do that. I would have to destroy it. I would know that they would destroy me. Oh, so oh. I would Self-defense. destroy them with all my phasers at full stunt. Sure, sure. Full stunt. Okay. Yeah, that 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 would that would potentially. What about photon torpedoes? Would you launch them too? Yes, I would launch every single phaser. Fire everything. Shoot it all. <laughs> at all. Full stunt. At full stunt. Okay, you guys heard that. Full stunt, everybody. If it's full stunt, the order's given. Yes. Uh, Jaden, how do you think you'd look with a beard like Evil Spock? Do you think you would look cool with a Fu, Fu Manchu beard? Well, you're not shaving yet, are you? Yeah, well, I am starting to feel some lines on here. You are? <laughs> oh, my goodness, you're growing up so fast. Oh, boy. I hope you're in the right universe here. <laughs> yeah, oh, my goodness. Right universe. Oh, okay. Oh, that's I've great. never switched universes. Well, there's there's time for that. Hey, Jaden, one one thing I, I like about the Spock, the, the quote-unquote evil Spock, is that even though he's technically evil, Captain Kirk is able to talk to him and kind of convince him to make his world a better place. Do you think that you could talk to evil Spock or an evil character and convince them that they should make their world better? Could you turn yeah. them back to the light side of the Force? There you go. There's your Star Wars podcast. Yeah. Yes! That's not fully a Star Wars podcast. Okay. Don't try to sneak that in here. Oh, okay. I know I... there's good in you, Father. <laughs> Mr. Spock. Uh, I really like Spock. I think he's probably my favorite Star Trek character. Who's your f- favorite Star Trek character? Oh, another good question. Scotty. Scotty! You like Scotty. Oh, why do you like Scotty? Because he's an engineer. Like That's him. right. Yeah, Jaden is an awesome engineer. What what do you like to build more than anything else in the world? Legos. Absolutely. Uh-huh. This kid is a Lego master. That's a pretty good start for an engineer. You know, Jaden, Star Trek is a the original series is a pretty old show at this point. You know, it was on before I was born. It's probably on before your dad was born too. Have Not you... quite. I'm about to turn fifty, dude. Oh, okay, All right. Cut that out. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you seen any of the newer Star Trek shows, like The Next Generation? He has not seen any of the newer shows yet, but we did go to see a movie this summer. Do you remember what that movie was? Uh, Rogue One. No, that wasn't a movie. <laughs> that was this winter. During the summer, You. it was the first time you ever told me you wanted to see a movie twice. You said you... Uh, Star Trek Beyond. That's Ooh, Star Trek right. Beyond. And what I you saw it two times. He did. Oh, you must have liked it. Rogue One two times. <laughs> 
What was your favorite part about Star Trek Beyond? When Starfleet won. Oh, when Starfleet won. Okay, good. <laughs> In fact, he actually cheered the first time he saw it when, when that happened. He actually said at the, la- at the top of his voice, Yay, Starfleet won! And everybody looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got another question for you, Jaden. Do you have a favorite episode of the show? Did you like the one with the, the hairy salt monster? Did you like the one with the white rabbit? Definitely uh, not the one with the hairy salt monster. That one was definitely a little scary for me. That was scary. Now, I remember when we were watching the episode with Finnegan. Now, Finnegan was one that was always playing tricks on Captain Kirk, remember? Yeah. And you, you came up with, with the solution. You knew exactly what was going on when we got to the halfway point of that episode. And you said, Daddy... I know who's playing tricks on everybody. You said it's Finnegan, and he was the one who put on the rabbit costume. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Jade had that episode figured out halfway through. He said Finnegan's behind everything, and he put on the rabbit costume to trick Captain Kirk into coming down to the planet. I see. You've seen so many of these episodes, you're starting to kind of figure them out. Jaden, I guess I I can level with you a little bit. Do you want to tell me who your favorite Star Wars character is? Oh, okay. We've now turned this into a, into a podcast for Star Wars. You get to talk about Star Wars and your favorite Star Wars character. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> You're going to say, I know it. It's Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I, I sort of knew that. Well, I want to thank you for talking with me about Star Trek today, Jaden. Yeah, but the Star Wars podcast just started. Uh, yeah, I, I will. <laughs> I'll definitely have you back on when I have a Star Wars podcast. Would you like that? What do you think I'm going to say? What do I think you're going to say? I uh, think I'm say no. I would never do a Star Wars podcast. I am going to do a Star Wars podcast. Well, Jane, thank you very much for for joining us today. I think I'm going to finish up with Aaron and talk a little bit more about Mirror Mirror. And you can talk about. When you're done with that, can you talk about a Star Wars podcast? Maybe. Just please do it for your son. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jaden. So thanks for connecting me with Jaden. We had a really good talk. Uh, I do have to get to work on that Star Wars podcast now. (laughs) There's there's a hunger for it. Yeah, he is so ready for the Star Wars podcast. What do you think about the uh, new Trek films? Just curious. You had mentioned them before. Uh, yeah, you know, I have, I, I have kind of mixed feelings about that. I appreciate the fact that J.J. Abrams saved the franchise. I mean, a lot yeah. of people say, you know, well, Star Trek wasn't dying. Yeah, Star Trek was dying. I'm sorry. I was there picketing in front of Paramount in 2005 trying to, you know, don't cancel Enterprise. Don't, right, right. Um, yeah, they canceled Enterprise anyway. Um, fans were not able to keep Star Trek going. They just weren't. When, when Star Trek Nemesis came out, uh, I think it was 2002 in December. It was not the number one movie during the week it was released. It was the number two movie. Do you want to know what the number one movie in America was? What was it? Made in America or Made in Manhattan. Yeah, uh, okay. It was Great. Jennifer Lopez chick flick scored over Star Trek Nemesis. By that point, you knew time was running out for Star Trek. You know, we were already in Enterprise territory. Voyager had just gone off the air. Um. And, you know, it it was just one of those things where, say what you want about J.J. Abrams, he revitalized the franchise. Unfortunately, he revitalized Star Trek by turning it into Star Wars. And so we have this red scorpion and an ice product taking his case in Captain Kirk. Uh, Seriously, I don't think people are going to see Star Trek 
the new reboot series and decide I'm going to become an engineer or I'm going to become uh, a scientist or a doctor because they're seeing, you know, Carl Urban, um, you know, playing McCoy, you know, or, yeah. you know, a, you know, Scotty is not going to inspire somebody to be an engineer. They might, they might want to be a motocross racer, though. Yeah, a motocross racer. You know, Kirk, Kirk was definitely going to inspire people <laughs> to go dirt biking. Um, right. But, yeah, so that, that, that's where my, my heart sort of sinks a little bit with Star Trek in that, you know, it's just not going to have the same impact on the next generation. Um, you know, sure. which, which is why I am enjoying so much that, you know, when, when Jaden said he wanted to be Scotty, I had no idea he was I, – actually, I sort of knew he was going to say that, but I've never asked him that question before. But you know what? When I was younger, I wanted to be Spock because mm-hmm. I was like total scientist guy. And yeah. I have a friend who became a nurse because of Dr. McCoy. And we were the generation of children inspired by that. The NASA scientists and the JPL scientists out there who you know watched Spock and McCoy and, and Uhura and Sulu and – all of them, and just said, I want to do that too. I want to help make that a reality. And yeah. I don't think J.J. Abrams is inspiring anything other than stunt people. Yeah, I don't think that he's really thinking about that. It's not necessarily his job, but I do agree with you. Um, they hopefully will be have, have a chance to be inspired in a similar way with the premiere of Star Trek Discovery uh, this year. Yeah, we hope. <laughs> now you know what here, here here's the thing i mean at least it's new star trek um you know, right it, right and it, yeah it may screw things up entirely they've got new uniforms that don't match the uniforms from the cage even though they're taking place in the same time period as that and people are going to right about trekkies are always going to complain about something dude oh definitely um but you know I, i'm i look i'm one of the people who's probably going to subscribe uh, I know a lot of people are planning to boycott it. Um, I, I have a mm. Facebook group called Small Access um, for anybody who wants to try to protest the fan film guidelines by okay. watching in groups. So it's not a boycott. You basically just get six of your friends oh, together. I, I see what you mean. Okay, yeah, yeah. One person you know, pays for the subscription. You all go over to their house, and everybody else pays for the pizza. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not like you're selling tickets or anything. It's like, oh, look, we'll, we'll treat you for pizza. You have viewing sure. parties. It's fun. But what you do is you turn six subscriptions at $6 a month into one subscription at $6 a month. Mm-hmm. So this was my way of, of protesting the fan film guidelines, not to say to eliminate them, but to please let's revisit and revise, not repeal and replace, but you know, just revise them a little bit. Um, so if you want more information on that, you can go to Facebook and you know just type in Project Small Access, which is a play sure. on all access. Um, right. But, you know, I'm not telling anybody to boycott the show, and I am most likely going to find my own little collective of fans to watch it as well. Um, and I may be the one who pays the subscription. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with it. And I, I yeah. wish them the best of luck. And please, please, please don't, don't screw it up. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> and hopefully uh, Paramount and CBS will get the message, uh, RE, uh, their model uh, that you're trying to send there. Um, question for you. Uh, you mentioned Spock previously. I, he is also probably my favorite character, and I think he does a great job in this episode in both universes. I love the fact that he pretty much figures out immediately, <laughs> uh, the, our Spock, that the uh, evil counterparts are not who they seem to be and just chucks him in the brig, and then that's where they are. Uh, it would be a little rough to have sort of – I think in this modern day and age, if we did this episode today with TNG or Enterprise or something else, you would definitely have a – 
two running stories where we're looking at one universe, we're flashing back to the other mm-hmm. one. But maybe that was a little more too complicated for 60s TV. But I like that the result of that is, yeah, of course, Spock figures it out right away and just throws him in the brig. And then they're yelling at him and he's like, oh, this is fascinating. Well, that saved them a lot of trouble, um, you know, yeah. because the thing is that they told a really good story in the mirror universe. And, yeah. you know, that that story was the perfect length. Mm. You know, we, we it wasn't really there are a couple of places where it went a little bit more slowly. But for the most part, it needed to do it did everything it needed to do. And that was the fun place to be. And right. the evil Kirk being on the good enterprise. That can almost happen anytime. In fact, if anything, that already happened. That mm. happened in the enemy within in the first season. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't really need to see what an evil Kirk would do on the Enterprise. We wanted to see what a good Kirk would do on an evil Enterprise, and that's what we got. Sure. We do get that funny little moment where Kirk is pondering, like, what could they be doing right now? And then smash cut to, let Let me go! Let me go! (laughs) Oh, what do you want, Buck? (laughs) Credits? (laughs) You want credits? Is there a scene or a moment or character that stands out for you in this episode? This amazing episode with plenty of great moments. Kyle, so this is one of the first episodes where we really get to see Kyle, played by John Winston. And, you know, he he gets some really good lines with it. In fact, you know, there's not a lot of other episodes where we see as much Kyle. Like Doomsday Machine has some good Kyle in it. Yeah. Um, And I always loved seeing those guys that weren't the main ones. I mean, I love Kevin Riley. Um, yeah, <laughs> who doesn't? I'll take you home again, Kathleen. Ice cream for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know. So I, I loved seeing those guys that were just you know slightly elevated above background extra because they actually got a line to say. Sure. Um, you know, one of my other favorite characters uh, is Washburn, who only appears in the episode "The Doomsday Machine." Mm-hmm. Um, but if you watch "The Doomsday Machine," there's like this constant tug of Washburn that goes on. Like everybody seems to want Washburn. Um, you know, so Scotty, you know, he has to fix the impulse engines in the constellation and he goes, come along lad. And Washburn starts going with Scotty. And then Kirk says, no, Washburn, you get over there. Right. <laughs> Washburn's like, shoot, what do I do now? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh, he's got more brave than his sleeve. I'll stay with Kirk. Um, right. But I used to love those characters. So yeah, for me, I just, I really loved, you know, how, how totally, freaked out scared shirtless uh that can't curse uh you know that that (laughs) kyle was you know when he screwed up he knew he screwed up he had a report to spock and the agonizer's coming out and he's gone yeah that's a that's a great uh that's a great mention uh i also like uhura she's a real highlight for me in this episode i like how she knows how to handle herself and it's always great when they give nichelle nichols something specific to do because she's always great i like how the four our four crew members all figure it out really fast i think in another episode you'd spend a couple act breaks with them trying to come to terms with the fact that they're in a mirror universe and of course if they did that on this ship they'd be dead so that that gets sped up a little bit for story's sake but i love how quickly they assimilate themselves into the thing and kirk's like yeah yeah okay go do that he's giving orders and trying to figure out where he is but he knows he needs to be surreptitious at this point and and you know that scene where where kirk first has the library computer you know working on the problem Yes. And, and, um, and he, you know, he, the, the library computer, you know, calculates what they have to do to fix it. And it gets on, you know, puts on one of those little memory disks and right. Kirk hands the memory disk, which is just yellow. 
and he gives it to Scotty and he says, Scotty, can you do it? Now there's been no readout. There's no computer screen. There's just a bunch of lights in front of Kirk. Right. And he hands Scotty basically this plain yellow thing and says, Scotty, can you do it? <laughs> and he goes, not by myself. I'll need some help. Um, and you'd be too conspicuous at which point, you know, he looks at McCoy and he goes, I'm a doctor, not an engineer. Now you're an engineer. But now you're an engineer. <laughs> how did Scotty even know? I mean, obviously the computer is given, you know, total, really difficult, you know, stuff to solve. And you're holding yeah. a yellow disc in your hand and suddenly you know exactly how to solve this problem, Scotty. I'm, okay, fine. I also like how um, when they're reading out, uh, Kirk has the computer read out his service record of the Kirk in this universe to get an idea of who we're dealing with here. And it starts spooling off these atrocities and he just shuts it off. He doesn't even listen to the whole thing. He's like, oh, boy. OK, well, that's what's going on. But the only other mention of Captain Pike in the entire series. That's right. That's right. Uh, which I suppose anybody who had uh, B. Joe Trimble's concordance would be excited about. <laughs> I don't think she'd written it yet. Uh- <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, I, I have one. Uh, th- do you have the same one as I do? Um, there's like a, a wheel put into the front cover so you can sort of look up the index numbers of the episodes. Best thing ever, that wheel. Yeah, that's pretty cover. Cool. If you've never seen the concordance, just, you know, go to Amazon and take a look. Yeah, that wheel where you basically just sort of match up the episode and you can see the star date and you can see the air date. and It's alphabetical, but you can also see them. In, oh, it's yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's brilliant. It was so much fun. It's so 70s. I mean, it's like such a 70s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as we wrap up here, were there any uh, final thoughts that you had about the episode? Anything you missed out? Uh, you know what? Just once again, uh, you know, watch Fairest of Them All, um, you know, as fan films go, go and um, the Starship Farragut ones. Uh, there's another uh, uh, fan film that takes place in the Mirror Universe called Dark Frontier, um, on fanfilmfactor.com, I have a prime directive. Um, it has two rules in it. Rule number one, there's no such thing as a bad Star Trek fan film. Sure. Rule number two, if you see a bad Star Trek fan film, refer to rule number one. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm going to leave on Dark, Dark Frontier there. Um, but, uh, but seriously, uh, you know, just, just you know, give fan films a shot. Um, mm. I've got a lot of them on Fan Film Factor. You can see them, um, you know, link to them. Um, you know, and as for mirror mirror, any final thoughts on that? It's like, Hey, you know, look, anything that can give us, you know, the goatee or the Fu Manchu as the ultimate representation of evil, um, right. you know, and, and you think about what they were, what they were doing back in 1967, they didn't know that Star Trek was going to become Star Trek. They didn't know that mirror mirror was literally going to set an example for, like all of science fiction forever to come. Yeah. They right. were just thinking, okay, we've got to come up with a way to make Spock look different. Right. <laughs> well, we put him in a different uniform. Yeah. Mm. What else? I mean, Bleach his hair. Right. <laughs> he all looks kind of evil with the, with the eyebrows and the, what are you, how are you going to make somebody who looks like Satan look even more? Evil? <gasps> Let's put a beard on him. Right. <laughs> and, you know, seriously, these guys were doing stuff week after week after week without even thinking about it more than this is my job. And this is a problem I've got to solve and I've got to go on to the next problem the next week. And God bless these people because they gave us this magic, this legacy that we are now talking about 50 years later. And who the hell cares what we do? Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing. So thank you, everybody from 1966 to 1969, because you, you did. You made the magic for us. Absolutely. Let's talk My Space Dad Can Beat Up Your Space Dad. Who's your favorite captain and why? 
Uh, Cisco. Absolutely Cisco. And you know what? If it hadn't been for the episode in the pale moonlight, I don't think I would have given that answer. That was the defining Cisco moment. But, you know, for me, Cisco was dealing with so much crap because he he couldn't leave. Yeah. You know, I mean, Picard could just go to a planet and fix everything and leave. You know, and same thing, you know, Kirk, you know, every week, different planet, you know, go, you know, talk the computer into killing itself, go to the next planet. Right. Uh, <clears throat> you know, kiss a space babe, get somebody impregnated and go to the next planet. And, you know, Kirk basically destroys the mirror universe for the Terran Empire. It goes back to our universe. He's done. Right. Cisco doesn't have that option. He is stuck on Deep Space Nine. He does something on Bajor and it's going to come back to bite him in the butt. A year later, yeah. two years later. Um, and that was the great thing about that show because it did. Um, you know, so anybody who can deal with that much stuff, you know, hey, more power to him. So that, that's why I like Cisco. The most. Yeah, he's kind of forced to grow because he's like you said, he's he's forced to face the consequences of these things. I mean, he's just like this depressed widower who gets this crappy assignment out in the middle of nowhere. And then suddenly it's. Oh, no, uh, by the way, there's this huge wormhole, and also you are a religious figure, and in a couple years, the largest invasion fleet that the Federation has ever seen is going to come through that wormhole. So uh, step up. you got to grow. Yeah, and he does. And he not only does he grow himself, he grows a beard. You know, this brings yeah, back to, that's true. to that Fu Manchu again. And that is the <laughs> yes. coolest thing about Cisco when he finally grows that beard and shaves his head, and Hawk is back. Hawk, I know. <laughs> if any of my listeners are going to understand that, I have no yeah, clue. Who is uh, enough to understand that <laughs> reference? Yeah, I'm turning 50 uh, in a week, dude. Oh, well, um, happy birthday in a week, I guess. Yeah, actually, uh, January 17th. I don't know when this is going to be airing. I may already be 50 by the time this comes out. Probably. Well, uh, at the end of the show, you will receive a commission at the rank of Ensign. I, I know you're a vice admiral in another universe, but at this one, you start at the bottom. Uh, what department on the ship do you want to work in? Oh, well, um, if, if there is like a department of like eating really bad food, <laughs> um, yeah, that that's where I need to be. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, the Department of Ice Cream that would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, sure. There with Riley. Yeah, actually, it, it, very funny. I I've been in the Starfleet Starfleet the International Star Trek Fan Organization, um, which is by the way sfi.org. I'm going to give them a, a free plug there. Sfi sure. starfleetinternational.org. I have been in this club since 1983. That's how you get mm. to be a vice admiral. And I have I have served on a number of different chapters, starships in my time, the USS Constitution, the USS Avenger, and the USS Angeles most recently. And I've had positions like chief science officer and executive officer and such. And when I was filing on the USS Angeles, I was getting sick and tired of all this pomp and circumstance. Like, okay, I need to create a good, fun position for myself because by that point, I just want to sit back and watch everybody else do the work. So my, my official position on board the, the USS uh, Angeles is uh, Chief Kibitzer. Nice. So there you go. That, that, is, that is my official job is, is to just sit back on the side of the bridge, push a few buttons, and kind of watch everybody else do everything. I think that works perfectly. And write my fan film factor blog. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, Ensign Lane, thanks for joining me to talk about Star Trek and the Star Trek universe today. If people want to continue the conversation, and they can at at EIST pod on Twitter and the Enterprising Individuals Facebook page, where can people find you online? Well, obviously, fanfilmfactor.com. That's the best place to find me. Uh, I'm also occasionally a blogger on uh, axnarproductions.com. If you're a fan of Axanar, um, feel free to go to that website. If you can't stand Axanar, then there's lots of places where you can go to. I won't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
By the way, speaking of Axonar, for anybody who's been following the lawsuit on Axonar and uh, who hasn't, uh, they are being sued by CBS and Paramount for copyright infringement. Um, I have been blogging almost nonstop about it, and I've been talking about other fan films at the same time. Uh, but if you've been wanting to um, track that at all, go to Fan Film Factor, and there is a special section for just the Axonar, the Axonar lawsuit blogs. And trust me, there's been like 50 of them. Um, <laughs> very light, fun reading. I know that there's been a lot of controversy in the community recently with Paramount last year releasing their Paramount Fan Film Guidelines, uh, which a lot of people found were too restrictive. Yeah, well, I mean, if your fan film is going to be limited to 15 minutes long, I mean, this is an entirely new podcast if you want to have me back at some point. But, sure. you know, one of, the, one of the guidelines was your fan film can't be longer than 15 minutes, um, which is like saying, OK, your house can't be larger than one room. Um, you know, can you live right. in a one room house? Yes, you can. Um, but you just can't do a lot with it. Uh, you know, and it's not like we want to say, okay, well, we can make two hour long, you know, fan films, but there's a lot of stops on the bus between 15 minute long and two hours long. Yeah. Um, one of the things I would love to convince CBS and Paramount to allow is continuing webisodes, you know, allow fan films, you know, yeah, if it's gotta be 15 minutes long, somebody thinks it's actual real Star Trek, fine. Then don't give us a limit of just two parts, which it is right now. It's like, okay, you can do 15 minute episodes and mostly most two parts, no continuing series. Yeah. Allow a continuing series, you know, allow webisodes and you know, say, look, you know, you can't have your fan film come out you know, any more frequently than once every three months. Um, you know, so if you want to make an eight part episode, that's going to take you two years, you know, deal with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's just one of those things where I understand why the guidelines came around. Um, we talked about them on Project Small Access. And um, half of them were fine. I mean, the people, you know, there were, we were not just saying, you know, get rid of them. Like, we understand, you know, half of these are fine. Another half of the half um, were just a little confusing. Maybe they could be rewritten a little bit. And some of them were just like, seriously? Um, But once again, you can see more uh, discussion on that on on Facebook, on Project Small Access. But, um, you know, we're still we're still going to try to convince the studios to take another look at them. You know, the studios did say they wanted this to be the beginning of a conversation. John Van Sitter said that on a podcast. And, right. well, yeah, we'd like to have a conversation with them. Unfortunately, there's so many fan filmmakers and so many fans, it's hard to get all of them in one room with John Van Sitter's all at one time. <laughs> right. So I've sort of been trying to be the funnel for that. Um, we'll have to have you on the show again to talk about it sometime. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always here for you. Well, thanks again for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. And we are signing off until the next mission, hailing frequencies closed.